Welcome to the sermon podcast of Exodus Church, located in Belmont, North Carolina. For more information about our church and the many ways you can be involved, please go to our website at theexoduschurch.org or email us at info at theexoduschurch.org. So we're so grateful uh, that you are here today. If you take your Bible and turn to Jeremiah 2, uh, no shame at all in using the uh, table of contents on that one, okay? Uh, But we're going to be in Jeremiah 2. We're starting a new series today called Renovate. Uh, with the subtitle of Finding Power for Lasting Change. So this is a time of year where everybody's talking about change, we're making resolutions, or we're making snarky comments about resolutions. Um, all of us are thinking about changing some aspect of our lives. So we thought it would be appropriate to take, uh, I think, about eight weeks and look at what the Bible says about how we change. Um, So we're going to talk about change for the next few weeks. A few years ago, we were doing some work on our house. We were going to do some simple cosmetic repairs, okay? That's what we were going to do. I'd been to Home Depot twice already. Uh, We were, I was ready to, had all my stuff, was ready to go. And I get into the project and I find a place. I was going to paint some walls and put down some, you know, cheap flooring or something. So I pull up the old stuff. And I find this significantly large spot in the subfloor that's wet. And I'm looking at it. I'm, I'm, I'm frustrated. And I call a buddy and I say, hey, listen, this is going on. He said, here's a guy. So the guy comes over, fixes it. I wanted to make sure it was done right. Like I, I, I knew how to do this much. I know how to do enough to get myself in trouble. Okay. So I, I had somebody come over to actually fix the problem. This is on Thursday. Friday night. Got all my stuff, ready to get after it on Saturday morning, go to sleep, wake up Saturday morning, go back to the room, about to get started, and the same spot is wet again. I'm looking at it, I'm frustrated, I'm angry because my plans have been affected. I'm looking at my calendar going, I don't know when else I'm going to do this. Um, I'm embarrassed that the problem wasn't actually fixed, and I'm looking at it, and I think to myself, I really think to myself, I'm just going to cover it up. Nobody will see it. I'm just going to cover it up. My wife, I can show my I finished it. See, sweetie, I did this. I can just be done, and I can check. And so I called a friend, and he came over and told me how stupid that was. Um, his name is Pastor Ben. And um, so he, he talks me off the ledge of doing something I would regret later. Uh, we start looking at the problem, not, not just the problem we could see, okay? You know, you had the... The, the wet subfloor, you could see that, but we needed to know why was it getting wet. So we started poking around and ended up looking outside, ended up the simple cosmetic repair, ended up meaning the back deck on our house had to come off. It was a nightmare, okay? And after getting through this simple cosmetic fix on my house, I paused for a moment and I thought about just change in my life and in yours. Sometimes I see a problem on the surface. Maybe I'm overworking at my job. Maybe I'm angry with my family. Uh, Maybe I'm not using our money well. And I start to think, well, that's just cosmetic. I just need need some paint over it. Maybe I need an app for that. Maybe I just need some better techniques on how to handle some of these areas. But when I start digging around at all of those things, the issue is always more than at the surface. There's more than overwork. There's more than anger. 
There's more than simple money mistakes. Now, that's me. At this point, I'd love to kind of bring you guys in to what I'm thinking about, okay? Because every one of us, every one of us, the stuff at the surface is never just at the surface. The stuff at the surface has all kinds of stuff going on underneath it. And if we just think about what is at the surface and what we can see, we're never really going to deal with what is really causing the problem. And we're never really going to do something that really produces change. But when we see that stuff going on at the surface, we all have three options. We can ignore it. And some of us make that choice. I don't care. I'm just going to ignore it. We can try to paint over it. We can get the right techniques and the right... We can just kind of deal with the surface issue. Or we can really deal with what's going on underneath. And if we do that, it's going to take courage. It's going to take patience. And it's going to take a power that's bigger than our self-improvement plan. And that's what we want to talk about for the next few weeks. So if you're looking at Jeremiah 2, I'm going to read verses 11 through 13. I'll pray and then we'll jump in together. Verse 11 of chapter 2. Has a nation changed its gods even though they are no gods? But my people have changed their glory for that which does not profit. Be appalled, O heavens, at this. Be shocked. Be utterly desolate, declares the Lord. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewed out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that can hold no water. Let's pray together. Father God, thank you for your word. Uh, Thank you for the privilege of gathering here today uh, to hear it and to study it and to uh, submit our hearts to it. Lord, um, I know that there are so many stories in listening to this right now. There's so so many things, so many hearts uh, reflected in those stories listening to this. And Lord, you know each one. You, You know each one. And so, Lord, would you use your word to speak to each heart listening to this right now? And, Lord, would you work in such a way that lives are transformed and changed and that we really see lasting change, not surface-level cosmetic, but lasting change? Would you do this in our lives for our good and for your glory? Um, We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Now, in this passage, Jeremiah is speaking God's word to God's people. Okay? He's speaking God's word to God's people, and he's identifying a, a huge problem. In, verse, in fact, it's so big that he wants the whole universe to be appalled by it. Okay? So it's, it's not a small thing when, verse 12, he says, be appalled heaven. Be shocked at this. So what is such a big deal that the whole universe should be appalled by it? Verse 11. Has a nation changed its gods even though they are no gods? But my people have changed their glory for that which does not profit. In other words, the thing that is so appalling, that's so huge that the universe should be taken aback is that the people of God have exchanged the true God, 
for a false one that does not profit. And then he goes on in verse 13 to explain what that looks like. Look at verse 13. He says, for my people, again, God's people, have committed two evils. The first one, they have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters. That's the first thing. Second, and hewed out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that hold no water. So these the way a nation, the way the people of God exchange the true God for one that does not profit is that they forsake him. They say, no, they reject him. And then they go to find what comes freely from him, fountains of living water. They go and try to find it other places that will never satisfy. Now, when we look at this tremendous thing that's going on, There's surface-level things, and then there's things below the surface. And if we're going to really understand what's going on in our lives, and if we're really going to understand what's going on even in this passage, we've got to go beyond the surface. In fact, we've got to get to the source, which is our first point today. We've got to get to the source. Now, what we need to understand is that every action, attitude, or habit in our lives has at least three levels, okay? It's got the surface, it's got the subfloor, which is kind of going back to my horrible week, okay? And then it's got the actual source. Now, when we think about surface level here with action, attitude, and habit, when we think about surface level, we're thinking about the things we see. We're thinking about our behaviors, our attitudes, our actions. These things show us that something's going on in our lives, okay? These are surface level. In this passage, the, the behavior we see is that people are digging false wells. That's the surface level behavior of what's going on. Now, it could be that we would see them digging these false wells and say, you shouldn't do that. Stop it. Or maybe we would say, hey, don't dig over here, dig over here. Don't do this, do this. And for some of us, that's what we think Christianity is about, that That Christianity, church, the Bible, all of it is simply don't do this, do this. But if we do, if we talk about just that surface level stuff, we're not really getting down to what's going on. The surface is not what's primary in change. We've got things beneath it. The next level, I'm calling subfloor because that was my, my experience, is what's underneath. And there's two things that we need to see that's beneath the surface here. Okay, There's something our souls crave, something our souls long for, and there's a means by which we try to get what our souls crave. Now, the thing where our souls crave here in Jeremiah 2, verse 13 is we crave the living water that comes from God. You and I, regardless of your faith commitment today, you need to know that you were made for God. You were made to find your life, your hope, your peace, your joy in him and him alone. Augustine uh, said this, you made us for yourself and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. You and I were made for the living water that comes from God and God alone. 
Our issue is not that we're thirsty for God. Our issue is that we try to find what can only be found in God in lots of other places. That's the problem. So the first thing underneath, underneath the surface, is that there is something our souls crave, namely our souls crave God. The second thing underneath the surface is we have a means by which we try to get what our souls crave. Either we run to God, the fountain of living water, or we do this verse, we forsake him, we say, no, we reject God, and we try to find what can only be found in him somewhere else. Now, here in, uh, so let, let's start with that second one. Let's start with the means by which we think we'll get what our souls crave. There's two things. There's something our souls crave, and there's a way we think we're going to get it. Let's start with that second one. Now, the way this worked out there in verse, 12, verse 13 is that the people of God forsake God, the fountain of living water, and they run to dig false wells. Now, that's the way it also works out in our lives. Our souls were made to crave God and God alone, and we run to all these false places thinking that in those places we'll find what our soul really craves. And we can go to lots of different places to dig. Okay? Most of them actually look like good things. Our uh, money, career, marriage, children, fame, just about anything can be a place that we try to find what our souls crave. There's this thing that we want that we were made to get from God and God alone. We forsake him, we reject him, and so we try to find it these other places. Now, these other places he calls broken cisterns. These false wells can be given to us or they can be chosen by us. Here's what I mean. At some point in our lives, somebody told you, hey, you're really good at this. You're really good at this. And what you heard was a path. I want to be good at something. I want to have the power that provides me. I want to have the comfort that provides me. I want to have the security that provides me. I'm really good at that. And so I'm going to pursue that as hard as I can. And rather than getting... uh some, what we long for from God and God alone, we run after this thing that someone said, hey, you're really good at. Another way false wells are given to us is maybe somebody said, hey, I'll be really proud of you if you do this. And so we hear, we hear somebody say, I'll be really proud of you, and we find the way to make them proud, and we want the approval that comes from that, and so we go headlong into whatever they said would make them proud of us. We want the approval that comes from doing this thing. Now, let's take career. could be anything. And there's nothing wrong with a career. We're commanded to work in the Bible. I'm really glad I have a career. Okay? Career is a really good and God-glorifying thing. But so often, that career can become the false well we dig to get what our souls crave. And we, we think our career will give us what we long for. And so we dig and dig and dig and dig, hoping against hope that we'll finally have what our souls crave. That's the first part of the subfloor is where we dig. 
or the means by which we think we'll find what our souls crave. Second part of the subfloor is what our souls actually crave. Under, under the surface of all of our actions, there's something we crave. Here in Jeremiah 2, it's living water. We're made for the living water that comes from God and God alone. And yet, these people forsake him and try to find it somewhere else. Now, there's lots of things going on here that, that we could talk about, but there's four basic things that we find in the living water of God that if we don't get them from God, we'll try to find them other places, okay? Now, think of these like primary colors, okay? You can mix these and make other colors, but these are the four primary things that we need that our souls crave from God and God alone. First, comfort. Now, you're like, whoa, comfort, huh? Think of it this way. It's a desire for rest, joy, and freedom. Psalm 16, 11 says, You may make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. And so comfort's what we need. We find that in God alone. But when we reject him, we try to find it other places. Second one's approval. It's a desire to be loved and accepted. Approval is what we think we need. And if we don't find it in God alone, we'll try to find it other places. Control. Control is a desire for order and structure. And if we don't find it under God's control, we will try to find it in our control. And then power. It's a desire for strength, desire for success or influence. Power is what we think we need. And rather than resting in God's power, we try to find it in our own. These four things are what our souls crave. Comfort approval, control, and power. And when we reject God, we have to find these things somewhere else. And so we reject God, the fountain of living water, and we go over to dig to find what we can only find in him and him alone. And what we need to see as we think about change is that this stuff at the surface, this digging, this, this stuff connected to what we're trying to find, the surface stuff has some things underneath it. And if we don't understand and know what those things are, we're never going to deal with the surface issues that we're looking at as we think about change. And what I'm trying to say is that we've got to deal with what's underneath the surface. It's never just overwork. It's never just anger. It's always more than that. And so we've got these surface level issues. Underneath that, we've got kind of subfloor issues, what we crave and how we think we're going to find it. But there's something underneath that. Uh, to, to go back to my house situation, there was, there was a way water was getting in. If we didn't deal with that, we weren't going to really fix the surface level issues we were looking at. And so what's the source of the problem? You see, the problem isn't that we're thirsty. The problem isn't simply that we're digging wells. The problem is deeper. And that problem is in verse 13. Two parts to it. That we've rejected God is our hope. He says in verse 13, my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, 
the fountain of living water. Now get the picture of that. This fountain is this free-flowing spring of water. It's this self-replenishing gush of water that would drink and satisfy the soul and the body. And God's people have rejected that and said, no. Now that rejection is always tied to two lies. Either God can't give me what my soul craves. He's not enough. I can't trust him. Or God won't give me what my soul craves. He's not good. I can't trust him. Again, the problem is not that we're thirsty for God. The problem is not that we long for the stability that comes from uh, some submitting to some sense of control. The problem is not the security that comes from power. The problem is not that we long for the love that comes from approval. The problem is not that we long for rest that comes with comfort. The problem is that we've rejected God and tried to find it all these other places. That's the first part of the, the source of the problem, that we've rejected God. The second part of the source of the problem is that we've relied on ourselves. You've got this, in verse 13, you've got this fountain of living water. The people have forsaken it. They've they've rejected the fountain to go and dig a hole. Now, this cistern, these broken cisterns that hold no water, the, the picture here is of a person going and digging a big hole. They've got to dig a big hole, but they're thirsty. They're not trying to dig a hole. So they dig this hole. Then they've got to go find water somewhere to fill up that hole so that they can drink. Now, the problem with the hole is that water keeps seeping out of the hole, so it won't hold water. And so what we are giving up when we do this is drinking freely from water we don't work for to working endlessly for something that will not ever satisfy our souls. That's that's getting down to the source of what's going on. We reject God. We rely on ourselves. We reject drinking freely to work endlessly. The problem is always below the surface. And so our deepest need is not better techniques for digging wells. Our biggest need is not better ways to avoid digging wells. Our deepest need is to get to the Savior. That's our deepest need. Now, here's the truth about every one of us. Every one of us. Every one of us have rejected the fountain of living water and relied on ourselves to dig a hole and put water in it. Every one of us have done that. Every one of us have said no to God, no to drinking freely, and yes to working endlessly. We've said, I don't want, I don't want to submit your, to your control. I want my own. I don't want to submit to your power. I want my own. I don't want your love. I want to earn something on my own. And we've rejected God to rely on ourselves. And so we end up with two problems. We're still thirsty because, see, you and I were made for the living water that only comes from God and God alone. So no amount of holes we dig or water we find is really going to satisfy our souls. So we're still thirsty. 
The second problem is that we've offended the one who can give us what our souls crave. We've said to him, no, I don't want you. I don't want, I don't want you. I want this. But thankfully, thankfully, God has an answer for both of those. If you'll flip over one page to verse 12 of chapter 3 of Jeremiah, we read some just, just some amazing words here in chapter 3. This is God speaking to his people, his people who have rejected him and relied on other people. He says to them, return, return. He he doesn't say, clean yourself up in return. He doesn't say, make yourself better in return. He just says, return. And then he tells them what they need to know and what they need to do in order to return. Look, Look at that. He says, first, what they need to know. I will not look on you in anger, for I'm merciful. Now, it could be possible that we would get this in our minds that after we've rejected God and dug a hole to try to fill up our souls, that when we come back to him, that he's filled with anger and hate and wrath, and he's just going to zap us with lightning. And here's what God says. I'm not going to look on you in anger, for I am merciful. That's what we need to know. That's what we need to know to get to the Savior. We need to know that God says, I won't look on you in anger, for I'm, I'm merciful. And then he tells them what they need to do. Verse 13, only acknowledge your guilt. Only acknowledge your guilt that you rebelled against the Lord your God and scattered your favors among foreigners under every green tree that you have not obeyed my voice. He wants them to know I'm merciful. I'm not... I'm not going to be angry. Just come back. And then just acknowledge what you did. Acknowledge. Just the Bible word for that is confess. Confess your sin. Confess, God, I rejected you. My soul, my soul was made for you and you alone. I rejected you and I ran after all these other things. I was looking for comfort in my career or power in whatever. I was looking for all these things apart from you. That's what I did. He wants us to acknowledge what we did. Not because he doesn't know. Like he knows everything. He wants us to know. He, he, he's not like, hey, I'm not quite sure what you did. He wants us to know what we did. And if we're going to get to the Savior, we need to know that God says, I will not be angry. I am merciful. And we need to confess what we've done. We need to bring that before him. And when we get to him, there's no shame. There's no guilt. There's, no, there's not this loading up of reproach and all this long list of stuff. We get, we get grace. And the reason God can say this, the reason God can offer this freely is because Jesus died willingly. The reason God can say, just come back, just come back is because Jesus was sent. The reason he can say, I won't be angry for I'm merciful is because Jesus died on the cross so we could get God's mercy. The reason we can say to God, God, this is what I did is because Jesus Christ bore God's anger and wrath for 
that thing. And so God can say to us, return, return, because Jesus died so that we could. If we will simply repent, confess our sin, and return to him, we get what our souls crave, and we get the grace our sin requires. And so let me tell you where we're going in this series. Today we've talked about this reality of what's going on underneath the surface, that it's, not, it's never just the surface. There's always stuff going on underneath. And we've talked about the reality that we've rejected God and relied on ourselves, but if we will simply repent and return to God, God gives us grace and welcomes us in. Then over the next four weeks, we're going to talk about four foundational truths about God that get at these things that we seek with our hearts. They're going to be on the screen. These come from a book called You Can Change by Tim Chester. Um, now, any book I recommend other than the Bible, like there's, you know, fish and bones, okay? There's stuff that, that's great. There's stuff you got to work through. But there's a lot of good stuff in this book. And these four things that are going to be on the screen are that God is great, so we don't have to be in control. God is glorious, so we don't have to fear others. That's getting at approval. God is good, so we don't have to look elsewhere. That's getting at comfort. God is gracious, so we don't have to prove ourselves. That's talking about power. And we're going to talk about how God, God renovates our hearts from the inside out. He changes our lives from the inside out on a solid foundation of repentance and faith. And then we're going to talk about how we kind of work together to see that happen in one another. And I'm really looking forward to what the Lord has for us. I'm really looking forward to what God has for us. But for today, how do we apply what we've looked at already? Just one thing, and that's this, that God's grace gives us courage to look below the surface. God's grace gives us courage to look below the surface. I've, I've said over and over that the, what you see on the surface is never really what's going on. There's all kinds of stuff underneath. And God's grace gives us courage to look at that. Now, maybe, maybe you can identify with me that Saturday morning when I finally found the problem beneath the problem. Maybe, maybe you find yourself standing in the middle of a life that you made by rejecting God and relying on yourself. And there's all kinds of surface-level issues going on in your life. Overwork, anxiety, anger, overeating, greed, sexual immorality, all these surface-level things that have all kinds of stuff going on underneath the surface. And maybe you're feeling what I felt that day. I was standing there looking at that wet subfloor, and I remember just being so overwhelmed. I didn't know what it was going to cost. I didn't know how long it was going to take. I didn't know what it would mean. And then on top of that, we find out that it was my fault. We start digging around and we find out that what had happened, I caused. And so not only am I feeling overwhelmed and frustrated, I'm feeling ashamed. And maybe, maybe that's what you're feeling today. If that's where you are, you need to know you've got three options. You can ignore it. If you're feeling overwhelmed with what's going on in your world, you can try to ignore it. You can try to paint over it. 
or you can trust God's grace to look below the surface. Only one of those is going to lead to real lasting change. And what I want us to know and understand today is that God's grace gives us courage to look below the surface, to really see what's going on in our hearts and minds, to really see, really see how we've rejected God and relied on ourselves, to really see, okay, what am I wanting and how am I trying to get it? God's grace gives us courage to really look at that. And then when we see what's there, God's grace gives us courage to bring it to him. Because see, he knows. <laughs> like he's, he's not going to be surprised by what we find. He's not going to be shocked by what we find under the surface. He's not going to say, man, I didn't know that. We're done. Like I, if I had known that, like he's never going to say that because he knows all of it and loves you and me in it. He knows you fully and loves you freely. And God's grace gives us courage to look below the surface. And God's grace gives us courage to see real change happen. Man, God loves us just as we are and loves us enough for us to not stay that way. Now, what's interesting is we react to God's desire for change in us, but we want to change too. All of us are thinking about it. All of us are talking about it. All of us are trying to figure out how to change. And God's the only one who can really change us without destroying us. And if we will simply acknowledge what we've done, repent, and return to him, we find fountains of living water to give us what our souls crave. And we find rivers of grace to pay for our sin. And so God's grace gives us courage. gives us courage to look below the surface. It gives us courage to return to God. It gives us courage to face all the things coming in this year praying and asking that God would radically change our hearts and lives. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your love for us. Thank you, Jesus, for dying in our place so that we could belong to you. And Lord, I pray, I pray that you would give us courage today to really look at what's going on in our hearts, to see the ways that we've rejected you, to see the places we run to, to find living water, to find the water our souls long for. Lord, I pray that you give us courage to look at that and then to bring to you what we find, knowing that your grace is sufficient, that your knowledge is full, and so your love is full that we don't need to hide, we don't need to pretend, we don't, don't need to paint over or ignore. We, we can really look at and bring to you what's, what's really going on in our hearts. So Lord, I ask that you would give us the grace we need to do that today. And we pray this in Christ's name, amen.